Thanks, guys. Well, good morning again. Feels like I just saw you. Strange. <laughs> oh, I was up here earlier. Durr. Hey, it's so good to see everybody. How was Thanksgiving? How'd we do, friends? Yeah? Was it fun? Mine was very fun. My husband and I are both from really large families, and we, got to, we go every other year because like, we realized that our stomachs can only hold so much turkey. And so like, trying to do his family and all the good things they make, and then my family and all the good things that they make, it's not, it's not good for us. We just have heartburn. It's not nice. So this year we went to his family's. It was super fun. One of the blessings of giant families is scads of kids. Scads of kids. My husband has six siblings, and they all have children. I have seven siblings, and two-thirds, I think, three-quarters have children. It's a lot of kids. But kids at the holidays are the best. Like, if there was a season for which you want to have kids, it's Christmas time. Perhaps we might give it a pass when they're fussy in March. But I highly recommend having children at the holidays. I'm kidding, I like my kids all the time. But there is something special, right? Like everything is wondrous. There's so much wonder. Like when uh, we were driving up for Thanksgiving, uh, my kids were like, so what are we gonna have? And I was gonna tell them the basics. They're like, pie, there's gonna be pie, yes! Like a level of thrill that we only get very rarely as adults. Like, uh, you know, you might get a really big promotion and a raise at work. It perhaps is on the level of my children when they find out there's going to be pie. Like, it might be a similar level of rejoicing, right? And so Christmas is that same kind of thing, but like dialed way up. I uh, went shopping on Black Friday because this is my tradition. I go with my best friend. We've been best friends since we were uh, three and six, and we've gone for 20 years. And it's how we get good presents for our kids without spending a mint, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, we go super early, and then we have breakfast. It's very fun. But it was so fun this year, because my kids are still young. It was so fun picking out presents for them. It's my favorite. Like, I'm having way more fun looking at the, oh, she'll love that. Oh my gosh, won't he just, right? Like, that expectation just builds. And so actually, this Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. And Advent is all about the expectation that's building coming into Christmas, coming into the receiving of Jesus. And so this is like the happiest month in the church calendar because it's the month where we're all like, Jesus is coming. Like Easter is exciting, but there's the bummer of Black Friday. You know what I mean? That we have to like sit with our sin. This, we know about the sin, but man, it's exciting because he's coming. So this morning we're talking about what I think is one of the best Advent passages or in the whole Bible. And I was joking with my husband last night. I'm like putting the finishing touches on the message or whatever. And I was like, it, the topic itself is so good. I feel like I could get up there, do a tap dance, deliver the one line at the end, and people would be like, yes. And I'm like, and I know it doesn't work like that. So I'm like, you know, not holding out. But this morning, we're talking about Emmanuel. 
God with us. And I don't know about you guys, but if I loved God for nothing else, I love him for Emmanuel. I love him that he's with me. Every season of my life have I been grateful, deeply, heart, gut, soul grateful for Emmanuel. Though we don't serve a God who made us and leaves us, good luck, and sees us at the end if we've behaved ourselves well enough. We serve a God who is God with us. And I'm not going to tap dance, and you're welcome for that. Because I gave that up when I was seven. Apparently, your feet have to do different things from each other. My brain doesn't think that's possible. All right, here's the passage this morning. Matthew 1.23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's pray, and we'll dig into the passage. Jesus, we come to you with grateful expectation that you are God with us this morning. And so as we talk about that, as we reflect on what it means for you to be God with us in our everyday, we ask that your Holy Spirit would stir our hearts in a new way. That you would look down upon us, Lord God, with a pleasure. And Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So God with us, what does this mean? Why is this important, especially within the context of the Bible? So you know the story, and if not, I'll refresh you. Adam and Eve, they had the presence of God, right? They walked with him in the garden, they hung out. It was like total access to God all the time, right? But then they sinned, and that was very bad. And then they realized they're naked, and they hid from God, and they were separated from God, and they got kicked out of the garden. And so then, like, the presence of God wasn't something that they walked and talked with, right? It was something that was, like, revealed to a prophet or spoken to a king or, like, accessible to the priest. But the average, everyday person lost the presence of God, lost access to the presence of God. So throughout the Old Testament, we see it in, like, fits and bursts, right? Like, there's the col he appears, like, as the column of smoke, and he appears as like the column of fire here and there. And then he speaks on the mountain to Moses. And then he, you know, has this encounter with this prophet. And he has this, these little bursts of the presence of God. Little bursts where God is with us. But with a specific person in a specific time. But not accessible to the rest of us. And notably, only to the Jewish people. Not to the Gentiles at all. So you have that going on. And then they turn away from God. Of course they do. Don't we all? They turn away from God. They do some bad stuff. They get, you know, scattered. And all this stuff happens. And then the voice of God goes quiet. For 400 years. 400 years of crying out for the presence of God and not receiving it. Generations waiting for a Messiah, waiting for God to come on the earth. I mean, I don't know about you, but waiting isn't my best thing. I can go like a week of waiting for something. 400 years 
of telling your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids, don't worry, God's going to come on back. Like, you know, my husband and I will go away for a week for a work thing, and our kids are like, Dad is coming back, right? Like, it's been a day and a half. My cooking's fine, right? Like, 400 years of this aching and waiting and crying out for the presence of God that never comes. And then all of a sudden, the burst in here. Matthew 1.23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. One of the interesting things that happened during that 400 years, though, is because there was no kind of personal access to God, because he had gone quiet, they did a ton of time studying all of the things he had said in the past. It's like if a loved one passes away, but you have their journals, right? You spend a lot of time, like, remembering. What did they say? How did they think about me? What were the things that were important to them? And so that's kind of what happened during that 400 years. There was this intense amount of scholarship. And one of the things that was important about that time was this. Isaiah, so Old Testament, before the big quiet, 714 said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So in the Old Testament, they had prophesied at different times the coming of Jesus. And during this 400 years, they dug all of that up. They studied it. They, like, absorbed it. And so that way, when he came in Matthew, when he, like, the virgin did give birth, they knew what it was about, right? There was a lot of people, a lot of scholars that were like, this is the thing that we were told about. And I think um, the coming of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, one of the special things about him coming, him being with us, is that it carries with it a sense of expectation, right? Like, you know that family member or that friend that every time they come over, it's a party? Do you have that person in your life? When I was a kid, it was my Aunt Luann. When Aunt Luann came into town, everything else shut down for a week. The adults would stay up late playing cards. We'd make pizza during the day. We'd go to the art museum. We'd go to the metro parks. It was like a party for a whole week. And so the coming of my aunt carried with it all this expectation for what that means, what it carries with it. And so that's the same thing. When we say, God with us, that carries with it an expectation that it means something for us, that it practically changes something about our lives. And so here are the kind of the three things that I think about when I think about God with us. The Emmanuel expectations, if you will. Number one, we can expect that God is for us. We can expect to see God intervene on our behalf. And if God is with us, we can expect to cooperate with God. We can expect that God is for us. When God is with us, he's not with us in a distant capacity. He's with us in a personal capacity, and he's on our side. Do you ever feel like 
God is like cheering for us when we do it right. You know what I mean? Sometimes after I do something like that really worked, I'm like, oh, God, like, thanks for that. But like, I feel like maybe God's smiling on me just a little bit more. And I followed that for a number of years. And then I kind of realized that I saw God like a fair weather sports fan. You know what I mean? You know the guy who walks into a Super Bowl party and just starts cheering for whoever's winning? But when they stop winning, he starts cheering for the other team. I realized that I thought of God like he was cheering for me only when I was winning. But when I was doing something that was kind of disappointing or when I was messing up or when I wasn't reading the Bible enough or when I wasn't doing this enough or that enough, I was like, oh, he's got to be disappointed. He's got to be disappointed. He knows I can do better, you know. And so I would, I would not communicate as much with him. Do you guys ever feel that way? Like when you feel like you're letting God down, you're like, ah, I can't even. For a while I was like, I can't even pray. In my 20s, I had a big period where I was like, I can't even go into the presence of God because I know that I don't, like, I'm too big of a mess. I could never. He would never want me in this condition. He must be so sad at me. And we think of him as this fair-weather sports fan, but really, God is the soccer dad. You know the dad, the one that sits on the sidelines in the 40-degree drizzle, You've seen them on Saturday mornings. It's very sad. They're the nicest people. They're sitting in their chair. They're wet. Their nose is dripping with whatever sleet Cleveland's dishing out. And even if their kid's team is losing, they're cheering like they're winning the pennant. I understand I mix my sports metaphors, but I don't like sports, so you're going to have to go with me on this. But you know what I'm saying. You know the dad. He's like, you got this. That's awesome. Good job. And I'm like, oh, is your kid, they're winning. No, my kid's skipping down the field, picking his nose. You know. But you know that super committed dad? That's God. That's God. God with us is for us, even when we're a disaster. Here's how we know. So, and I, so there's only three times in the Bible it talks about Emmanuel, specifically says the word. Once is in Matthew when he comes, right? And the other is in Isaiah when it's the first time they're saying, hey, it's a virgin birth, here's the deal. We talked about that. But the third one is really interesting. It's in Isaiah 8. And what was happening was the, uh, the king of Israel, well, there's the two kings, but it's a whole thing. He was a mess, he wasn't listening to the prophets. He had turned away. He was uh, hanging out with the Assyrian gods, and he was trying to get favor so that he wouldn't get wiped off the map. It was this whole thing. But he had turned away from God, and the prophet even said, like, hey, if you ask God for a sign, he'll give you a sign. He's like, I don't want a sign from God. Like, I don't even want it. So they had done all these things wrong. And so you would assume, then, that God with us wouldn't exactly be the proclamation for them. Because they had kind of disqualified themselves, right, from God dwelling with them. But here's what it says. Oh, that's small. I'm going to read it off my page. Because this people has rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh and rejoices over Rezin and the son of Remaliah, and therefore the Lord is about to bring against them the mighty flood waters of the Euphrates, the king of Assyria and all of his pomp, 
It will overflow all of its channels, run over all of its banks, and sweep into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it, and reaching up to its neck. Its outspread wings will cover the breadth of your land. So this is a bummer for them, right? All of this badness is going to happen. This judgment is upon them. Will cover the breadth of your land, Emmanuel. All of this is going to happen, but God is with you. You have brought yourself into this place where you've made allies with the wrong guys and it's coming down on your head, but God is with you. Raise the war cry, you nations, and be shattered. Listen, all you distant lands. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand, for God is with us. Even in the middle of turning away, even in the middle of them losing their homeland, losing everything that that God had promised them because of their own choices, the promise of God is his presence. The promise of God is that even in the middle of a battle of our own making, our war cry can always be, Emmanuel, God with us. And so even in our lives, when we are, feel like we're missing the mark and we're not measuring up, we hold the promise that the presence of God is always for us, no matter what. The posture of God is not dependent on our actions, but upon his character. The posture of God toward us isn't favorable and loving and embracing because we've earned it. It's because his name is God with us. The translation is God with us or with us is God. Coming alongside us is God. Wherever we go, with us is God. In the middle of our own Mass in the middle of our own pain, in the middle of our own sin. With us is God because of his character, because of who he's promised himself to be. We can expect, because of Emmanuel, we can expect for God to intervene. Psalm 27, 12 through 14 says, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This is a promise. I know we have this future hope of heaven. I was talking to somebody a couple years ago, and she's like, well, I mean, let's just hope we get raptured quick. Am I right? And I was like, well, I mean, I don't know that we can promise that. And she's like, yeah, but I mean, let's just say this isn't our dwelling place. I'm like, well, it's not, but we are here now. So she's like, yeah, but things are so bad that you know, really, let's just hope he comes today or tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, but we might have 80 more years. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is where we are now. I want to be able to believe that my God is going to be with me. My God is going to be strong. My God is going to be who he says he is now in our time. And that is a promise. 
that we're going to see the goodness of God when we look for it, when we ask for it, in the land of the living. And I pray that over family members and friends who are far off from God, for people who are struggling, people who are in pain, people who are in addiction. Like, God, I pray that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And it doesn't always work out for everybody. But we believe that when we say Emmanuel, when we say God is with us, it means that he will intervene here. That he will be with us now and in the times we need it. I loved our service last week, the Thanksgiving, when we all talked about the things that we were thankful for. What God had done for us this year and the places we saw him. And I was thinking a lot about it, about like, where are the places that God showed up for me and for my family? Where are the places over our life with God? My husband and I have been believers since we're little bitty kids. We've lived, we grew up with Jesus. How has God been with us? What has Emmanuel looked like? And so here's just a couple quick snippets. Um... A few months ago, my car broke spectacularly, as it does, let's just say, as it does. And so we had had a little bit of money squirreled away, but it wasn't quite enough to cover it. And we're like, all right, well, we're going to have to dip into the Christmas fund. <sighs> Stinks, like by 300 bucks. But that's okay, and we have the money. And we, you know, we can make do. We'll make Christmas nice anyway. 300, all right, we'll figure it out, whatever. And I was like, all right, Jesus, I trust you. Like, we have to drive. We have to whatever. Jesus, I trust you. And every time I get anxious, Jesus, I trust you. And so the repair was supposed to be um, $1,200, and that was 300 more than we had without dipping into Christmas. And then I called the place. I'm like, hey, I need to pay over the phone. And they're like, okay, it's uh, 900 and whatever some odd cents. And I was like, oh, no, actually, it's 300 more than that. It, uh, they told me it was, um, it was 1,200. And he's like, no. He checked his thing. He's like, it's $900. I'm like, that's $300 less than we were quoted. And he's like, well, that's the price. Jesus knew what was in my bank account. And he provides. Another one was um, uh, we had some major hit our account a little while ago or whatever, and it kicked us under, and that never happened. We were terrified. Oh my gosh, it was a really major thing. What are we going to do? And we're like, Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we trust you. This is going to be fine. Jesus, we trust you. And we hadn't checked the mail in a couple days, and I went and got the mail, and there was a check unexpectedly from someone we hadn't talked to in a year for the exact amount that we were under in the bank, that we were deposited with five minutes before it overdrafted. Because I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. When, um, right after, let's see, we had two little kids, and um, we were living here, and my husband had just finished college, and uh, we found out that our friend who we had worked for in India, he's a single guy, was dying of cancer, and he had nobody to take care of him. And so, like, as soon as I found out, I called Steve, and I said, Steve, you need to go to India this summer, and you need to take care of Tom. You have to go. And he was like, okay, uh, yeah, for sure, I believe it. But we didn't have the money for the plane ticket. We were house hunting, and we hadn't closed. And my husband hadn't found a job. 
Those are like our three things. But we were like, Jesus, we trust you. We trust you with those three things, that you're going to make that happen. The next week, he got paid for something he wasn't expected to get the money for. So he bought the plane ticket. And then we found our house, the exact thing that I had listed out. It dropped into our price range. And we got the keys 10 days before his flight was supposed to leave. And then on his last week there, he got a job uh, interview. He came home and interviewed with like three days after his flight landed in Cleveland. He got the job and started two weeks later. Emmanuel, church. We will see the goodness of God in the land of the living because God is with us. The last one was my first daughter was born. Everything was fine. Everything seemed good. Everything was checking out. But she came out and she was blue and limp and completely unresponsive. And her cord is pulsing, so it was all right, all right, whatever. But we were, like, really scared. And the nurse was, you know, suctioning, and there was all this activity. And I had been, like, you know, giving birth for two days. And I said to my husband, Stephen, command the breath of life into your daughter. And Steve put his hand on our daughter's chest, and he said, in the name of Jesus, breathe. And she went, and she pinked up and was responsive and opened her eyes immediately because we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Last one. Um, We will expect to cooperate with God. We will expect to operate alongside God. That we won't be operating on our own, but with him. Aya, can you come here? This is my daughter, Aria. She's my helper. Come here, Aya. This is Aria. She's seven. Hi. All right. So, what would you think if I told you that this week Aria paid some bills for the family? She paid the mortgage. She did the grocery shopping. She ran some errands. She picked her siblings up. She made the dinner. Would you believe that? Really? No. You would not believe that she had run around town in her little SUV and done all of these things, would you? No. Now watch this. In this posture, would you believe that Arya had made dinner? Yeah, you would. Would you believe that Arya paid bills? Yeah. Would you believe that Arya picked up her siblings? Would you believe that she grocery shopped? Yeah. What's the difference between Arya doing those things and Arya doing those things? My presence. Because when my presence is with Arya, she can do things. When I reach out my hand to Arya, she can provide for our family, can't she? She might be licking the stamps, but we know I'm paying the bills. She might be putting the checks in the envelopes, but we know that I'm filling the bank account. 
She might be beating the eggs, but we know that I'm dealing with the fire of the stove. Good job, you go down, go girl. Thanks. Church, oh yeah, clap, she's cute, come on. Church, we live our lives like we have to do this thing on our own, don't we? That we're paying the bills, that we're having to provide all on the sweat of our brow and the pain in our back. But the reality is, is that we're like Aria. Until we stretch out our hand and we take the hand of God, we can't do this on our own. But when we do, when we say, I need you, it changes everything. All of a sudden, we have the power to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine because of the power of God with us, because we carry the presence and power of Emmanuel into every situation we walk into, there is nothing too difficult, too hard, too lofty for us as the children of God. Because when we hold his hand, we hold the hand of immeasurable power and we bring it into every space that we inhabit. Amen? You know, this week we finished our city blessing. And so we brought breakfast and uh, lunch and tons of cute little handmade cards from the kids' ministry to the North Olmsted Police Department. It was so wonderful. We got there at like 7.15 in the morning so they could get it before they go out on patrol. You should see the faces. Is this for us? I'm like, oh, it is, but we have like three times as much in the car. We just couldn't take it all in one trip. We had to have cops coming out of the police station to help lug the muffins and the fruit and the juice and all of the things that the congregation provided. They were like, thank you so Thank you. Oh my gosh. And like the kids' cards, they were loving it. And over the last month, we blessed a hundred city department workers the fire department, both stations, the police department, and the service department with the love of God. Church, that is over and above what we could ever ask for or imagine because what we had the opportunity to do was to bring God with us to people who are serving our city. We can't do that ourselves. In the last two weeks alone, the church has been contacted, I just wanna make sure that I have it right because it was so good. We serve the police department and the fire department and the service department. And then the North Olmsted Senior Center reached out and they said, hey, we have these three seniors who need their lawns clear, uh, leaf blowed, and the people who were supposed to do it backed out, and they're so disappointed, but we thought we would call Christ the King because Christ the King would handle it. And I was like, amen, Christ the King will handle it. Then we had the North Olmsted Mayor's Office reach out, and they said, hey, we want to bless a family, and we know you guys have a pulse on our community. Who do you want us to bless? And then North Ridgeville City Schools reached out and they said, we know sometimes you do things around the holidays. We have a few families who really need something and we thought Christ the King could help 
anything you guys could do? And we said, of course. And then North Thelmstead schools reached out. This is all in two weeks, church, and said, our families need these things. Can you do it? And we said, yes. This isn't the goodness of Christ the King here in North Olmstead. This is the goodness of the God who we serve, opening doors and softening hearts and giving us an opportunity to bring God with us to our city so he is God with them. And it is over and above what we could have ever done as a little organization in a big city. But our impact isn't our impact. We're just licking the stamps. He's filling the bank account, church. We're just blowing the leaves. He's changing hearts. We're just saying, God, we trust you. And he's taking us at his word. When we receive Emmanuel, we give God permission to use us to cooperate with him. And I think this morning there's some folks who might be sitting here and you might have been thinking, this sounds great. God with us. I want to believe this. But you don't really know the Jesus I'm talking about. You might know about him, you might have heard about him, but you haven't had a moment in your life where you've said, take my hand, Jesus, I'm all yours. God, take my heart and make it into more than I could have ever asked for or imagined. God, do something in my life where I can know I'm yours. And if that's you this morning, I think the invitation of God is for you to make today your day, the day where you decide to follow Jesus with your whole heart, the day that you say, I only have this one life, but God, I believe that you can take it and make it something amazing. So if that's you after communion, I want to invite you to get prayer with our prayer team and to pray with them, that Jesus would start off a lifelong relationship with you. We're going to pray together. Can we stand, everybody? the band's going to come and we're going to do the thing. This morning I want to pray for three key things. I want to pray for those of us who are in a place in our life where we need the intervention of God in something. It might be addiction. It might just be the difficulty of our life and feeling overwhelmed and feeling whatever, but we need God to intervene. And so if that's you this morning, we want to pray for you. And if you're someone who has felt like God's only cheering you on when you're doing it right, and you have felt and labored under the weight of the disappointment you feel like you're causing to God, if that's you, we want to pray this morning that God breaks that shame off your life because that's a lie and that's not God. God's sitting on the sidelines cheering for you when you're skipping down the field. No matter what you're doing, he is for us, church. And the third thing we want to pray for is if you feel like I'm living my life, but I'm living in my own strength. 
I'm trying to do all the right stuff. I'm saying all the right stuff. I'm holding it together. But you're white-knuckling it all the time. We want to pray for you that Emmanuel would cooperate with you in your life. That you wouldn't feel that the weight of the world is on you, but you could place the weight of your life on the shoulders of the God who loves you. So I'm going to pray, and the prayer team's going to come after communion. And if one of those is you, I believe that this is a day that God is with us in a special way, and that he wants to meet you. If you want to get your communion cups out. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same way, he took the cup, and after he had given thanks, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. Let's drink together. For whenever we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus until he comes. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are Emmanuel. And this morning, we declare that over our lives. God, we declare God with us. And so, Lord, as we search our hearts for the things that you want us to deal with this morning, when we search our lives for the places that we need you, we need intervention, we need cooperation, we need to believe with everything in us that you are for us, Lord God. We pray that your presence would be deep that you would go deep into our hearts. Father, we thank you for the people this morning who are feeling like they needed this. The people who feel like they've heard of Jesus, but they want to know you. They want God with them in their lives. We pray that you would begin today something that is going to last them for the rest of their lives. And Lord, as we turn our hearts to worship as Jeremy and the band just play one song. We just pray that you would um, summon us to yourself. In Jesus' name.